The following Dharma talk was given by Ron Hogan Green. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order and co-director of the Zen Center of New York City. He delivered a talk over Zoom from his home in Pennsylvania to both residents and home practitioners. Thanks for listening. Good morning. This is case 248 from the True Dharma Eye. Shigang's emptiness, the main case. Master Shigang Wizang asked Suigang, a former abbot, do you know how to grasp emptiness? I'm going to use um, Master Shigang Wizang's second name, uh, even though it's technically, I believe, incorrect because it gets too confusion, too confusing, because both. People in this koan have similar sounding names. Do you know how to grasp emptiness? And Zigang said, yes, I know how to grasp emptiness. Weezing said, how do you grasp it? Zigang grasped at the air with his hand. Weezing said, you don't know how to grasp emptiness. Zigang responded, how do you grasp it, elder brother? Weizang poked his finger in Zigang's nostril and yanked his nose. Zigang grunted in pain and said, it hurts. You're pulling off my nose. Zigang said, this is how to grasp it. First, I wish you all a good Valentine's Day. Every Valentine's Day is good, to paraphrase a, a Zen saying. Uh, this is a wonderful koan that invites us to deeply consider our practice, like most koans, beyond who we think we are. This practice shakes the walls we build to define ourselves. We have an idea that if we hide behind these walls, there's a kind of safety from what we do not wish to experience in our life. We may not consciously think that, but we avoid pain, we avoid discomfort, and we avoid facing those things that cause that, at least most of the time. Yet this practice is not apart from our body and from our mind and from our life experience. We often speak of emptiness in Zen. And the heart of what we're doing, especially in Zazen, is seeing into emptiness. A good place to start is with a thoughtful look at one way of understanding our practice of Zen, a practice of studying our mind. And that's the four seals of the Dharma. Seals, not like the animal, but like something stamped that's a seal. And the first is all compounded things are impermanent. 
everything is compounded. Things are made of more things. It, it brings to mind a story, I've told it before, so please forgive me, of a, a famous philosopher that was giving a talk on the nature of the world and the nature of the universe. And the philosopher explained it. It was a public talk. And at the end of the talk, an older person got up and said, that's a fine talk, but you know, the fact is the world rests on top, on the back of a turtle. And the philosopher asked her to explain what the turtle stands. And the person said, it stands on the back of another turtle. And what does that turtle stand on? The person shaked their finger and said, you can't fool, fool me, it's turtles all the way down. And that's to me an interesting story because when we separate ourselves from our life, it's suffering all the way down. And it doesn't have to be that way. Turtles all the way down is a, one perspective of reality. There are others. So emptiness is the sine qua non for impermanence. It's just the way it is. The second seal is that emotions and feelings and thought create pain, create suffering. And this is a bit tricky. I would further phrase it that all self-centered emotions, which after all tend to be most of our emotions, cause suffering simply be, because they perpetuate a self-centered separateness. This, this can be hard to appreciate until we experience a degree of our mind's stillness, some degree of samadhi. We may not appreciate this and may not be able to see our way out of our own, may, be able, may not be able to see out of our own direct experience how our feelings and emotions can perpetuate a separate sense of self. But it's not unusual, especially in Sushin, for people to suddenly, as they quiet down, to suddenly see how our thought processes, our habitual ways of feeling that may arise out of that, our blockage to our own fundamental happiness, fullness. It's hard to see this unless there's a degree of stillness, cultivated stillness. And yet these same feelings and emotions and thoughts are an opportunity when we ground ourselves in impermanence and emptiness. And then our bodhisattvic practice helps us feelings or emotions are seen as just floating through us unless they're directly useful to help us, to help others and ourselves. The third is all phenomena are empty. They, they're without an inherent existence. 
There is no fixed self. No fixed anything. Seeing into this, we can begin to live out of prajna, non-duality. Seeing into this is no small thing. And it's what we're cultivating in our practice. This is the ultimate view of Buddhism. The other three seals are grounded in this. And so we have to go deeply into our zazen. We have to work with it wherever we're starting from. And it's concentrated and clear with a clear purpose and manner because it's easy just to kind of drift along sometimes and to do it at the same time with a relaxed body and mind to accept that our mind is not controllable and it'll bring up all sorts of things and to be able to, to practice letting go of that or letting it pass through us. And the fourth seal is that nirvana is beyond all extremes. It doesn't fall into either side. It actually doesn't fall anywhere. Without these four seals, the Buddhist path tends to subtly rely on an outside agent or agents. And that can happen in Buddhism or any religious practice. There's nothing outside ourselves. That's what we realize. Our practice is grounded through Zazen and other practices that support our Zen to a deepening clarity that our being, our body, our mind, and all things are empty. Emptiness has no bottom, no top, no walls, no things, no beginning, no end, no definition. It isn't a thing. And it's pretty apparent that we cannot grasp it. We cannot know it because grasping and knowing it are dualistic. And yet this koan challenges us. It, it asks, do you know how to grasp emptiness? So we cannot be, we cannot grasp it. And yet, and yet, it can be realized. And that realization, which starts from the first time we begin to do Zazen. It becomes more apparent to us whether we are aware of it or not in a direct sense as we continue to practice. And that realization of emptiness can be endlessly deepened. There's nothing to gain in this. 
And this is at the heart of the Bodhisattva path. Bottomless compassion naturally arises to all beings as we continue. And I hope continue to clarify what we are. I was reading an article this morning on uh, great whites, sharks, and how there's beginning to be an understanding that they're essential to the sea, to the healthy environment within the sea. They're a top predator among many other top predators and on this earth that we slaughter. We're actually the top predator, and of course we slaughter ourselves as well. And how this fearful beast that scares us so much is now being appreciated for its importance and for how seldom it actually harms humans, really seldom, a few a year, at least within the United States. So that is the Bodhisattva path to appreciate all beings. And at the same time, we should understand that we gain nothing from our practice and that this practice is ceaseless. Suwaki Roshi said that our practice is like a burglar breaking into an empty house. Although they had difficulty getting in, there's nothing to steal. They don't need to run. Nobody's after them. The whole thing is a flop. And that's an interesting perspective to work with. And in and of itself, the realization that the whole thing is a flop is a realization. Fundamentally within our practice, Self is unwrapping the self. Self with a capital S is unwrapping the self. Emptiness is emptying emptiness. Nothing is there, yet nothing is left out. It is dynamic, it is boundless, it is complete activity of emptiness, which when intimately experienced is a mystery that can't be explained yet is remarkably clear. And these words, these descriptions is not the realization of emptiness and perhaps contributes more to our confusion. So the master in this poem, Shigan Wizang, received transmission from Matsu. Sorry about the occasional dinging. His name means stone strong wisdom storage. 
And he was born in 740 and he died in 810. Zizang was the former abbot of the monastery and was a Vinaya or precept master. So Master Weizang asked Zigang, who was a former abbot, do you know how to grasp emptiness? And Daito Roshi adds footnotes to each line. He says, shaking the tree, he wants to see what falls out. So he's asking him a challenging question. The Koan's a little bit out of context, but certainly there was a context. Zigan came for the teaching. So do you know how to grasp emptiness? This can be difficult to respond to, or it can be easy to respond to, but how? Zigan said, yes, I know how to grasp emptiness. Dada Roshi noted, the tree leaned and fell over. Can knowing reach it? I know how to grasp emptiness. Weizang said, how do you grasp it? And Zigang grasped at the air with his hand. She said, oops, then bones, then bones, then dry bones. <laughs> Very dry indeed. I love Daito Roshi's comments. Do you know the song? I may be dating myself here. Ezekiel cried them dry bones. Ezekiel cried them dry bones. Ezekiel cried them dry bones. Now I hear the word of the Lord. Well, your toe bone's connected to your foot bone, your foot bone's connected to your heel bone, your heel bone's connected to your ankle bone, your ankle bone's connected to your leg bone, and so on. I'll spare you the rest. It's a spiritual. And it was first recorded in 1928. And Ezekiel is a Hebrew pro prophet, as you probably know, the Old Testament. So Zigang grasped at the air with his hand. And Weizang said, you don't know how to grasp emptiness. And the footnote says, he can only call it as he sees it, which is his obligation and his responsibility to someone who comes asking for the teaching. So Zigang responded, how do you grasp it, elder brother? And that's wonderful that he does ask. Do you ask? I remember Daito Roshi practically pleading with students in Mondos and Dharma encounters to ask, to bring forth the Dharma with a question that has some life, that has some reflection behind it, even if it can't be fully articulated because it communicates if it's real, if it's life. And the question 
becomes apparent, becomes an entry point for exploration. I, I remember when I first went into residency and there were mondos and that or she would ask a question. I had practiced quite a while and um, I thought I had pretty clear insight into responding to the question. I would eagerly raise my hand and that or she would call on me and I'd say something and he would ignore me. And this happened time after time. I was a slow learner. And I realized it wasn't, it was only partially about the question or the answer, quote unquote, that he, he was using the question to explore, to, to let students consider it and offer something. And I was blocking that to a certain extent when I, whenever I was clear enough, which wasn't always. So Zui Gang said, how do you grasp it, elder brother? And Wei Zhang poked his finger in Zi Gang's nostril and yanked his nose. And Daido Roshi says, very intimate, very intimate indeed. And when something suddenly out of context happens, it is very intimate indeed. I often have used the analogy of getting punched in the nose uh, or in one case, getting hit by a baseball on the nose and breaking it, which interestingly happened on Kippur. And I knew in Brooklyn as a religious, non-religious Jew, but obliged to observe it. I couldn't play baseball, but I could stand behind the pitcher and uh, umpire, call balls and strikes, wasn't playing it. And the batter hit a wine drive right back at the pitcher. The pitcher held up the glove and then ducked. They <laughs> were standing behind it. And uh, for many decades after, my parents didn't believe I wasn't playing baseball. I wasn't, technically. Dogen says of this, the Buddha ancestors making efforts in wholehearted practice of the way, arousing bodhi mind, bodhicitta, arousing practice verification and expressing and questioning. This is Zen. That's the practice we do with a teacher. It is nothing other than emptiness. All the practices we do are nothing other than emptiness. In the koan, Zigang grunted in pain and said, it hurts, it hurts. You're pulling off my nose. Daito Roshi's footnote says, it fills the universe. There's no place it doesn't reach. Intimacy can hurt, but it's very real. I was thinking of soldiers in war who come home and may never again feel so intimate with being alive and facing the immediacy of their the possibility of their own death right before them. Having experienced your life in such a real and intimate way, sometimes you can feel lost without that, without that sense of intimacy. 
and that's that's why we train. That's why we cultivate intimacy. That's why we sit and we chant. But more than that, that's why we wash dishes and work in the garden and behind a computer and walk up the hill at night for those residents in the dark. Our training is a training in intimacy. Our practice is a practice in intimacy. When I left residency at the monastery, after a number of years of being held in this intimacy, it was very challenging for me to create within the circumstances of my life a sense of being intimate with it, a sense amidst the busyness of working and the complications of the specific environment. I was working as a pharmacist in a, corp a large corporation. And it was crazy. And I struggled. And it took a long time before I, I could find a way into myself and let go of my confusion and take care of my life. So we train in intimacy, but we also have to be careful not to make intimacy a thing because it's not a thing. So we Zhang said, this is how to grasp it, having pulled his nostril. And Daito Roshi says, his eyebrows have fallen off, too bad. And I, I feel a little embarrassed at saying this, but uh, eyebrows, eyebrows falling off is a sign that the teacher has spoken too much, given too much. the commentary to this koan. Zwigang's potential is stuck in a fixed position. So Master Weizang is compelled to shake him loose. If you want to free up what is stuck and loosen what is bound, you must simply cut away all traces of thought let go of all words and ideas and experience it directly. Remember, I spoke about the seals before, about emotions and feelings and thought and by implication, words and actions. Cut away all traces of thought, emotion, let go of all words and ideas and experience it directly. This is not to stifle ourselves, just the opposite. That she goes on. Although in yanking Zwigang's nose, Weizang was able to hide in his nostrils. We should understand that the truth of this koan is not to be found in the nose or the finger. What is the truth of this koan? Indeed, what does it mean that Sui Zhang was able to hide in Zigang's nostrils? 
I hope this isn't too confusing with the names. So looking at that, Zui Gang's potential is stuck in a fixed position. So Master Shigan is compelled to shake him loose. This is the work. It's our work. It's the teacher's work. It's the Sangha's work. It's the work of the teachings. And how does it come down? We have to practice what life brings us. We have to be present and do our best to be intimate and practice when we're not. What does life bring us? It brings us many different things, a pandemic, isolation, time in residency, old age, sickness and death, confusion, clarity, whatever it brings us. It's also the work within the student-teacher relationship to help the student shake free of a fixed position. If a student is ready to hear, willing to let go of all words and ideas and experience it directly, then something can happen. And if they're not ready, well, there's always next time. And this time is never wasted. If you want to be free, well, free from what is stuck and loosen what is bound, you must simply cut away all traces of thought, let go of all words and ideas and experience it directly. Then you can see that this whole great earth is contained in a single speck of dust. When a single flower blooms, a 10,000 things come into being. I'm quite quoting Dado Roshi in the commentary here. Wherever you look, whatever you hear, whatever you touch, the whole great earth is contained. How do you express this in life? Not as a Zen response, but as a living response with people with what you're encountering, within our conditioning and emotional responses, centered on a self perspective. Within that, how do you respond in a way that the whole great earth is contained? That's the challenge. It's not like we accomplish something in this practice and forever after we're free of any anchor and can just go forward in that freedom. There are times when that happens. Although usually we're not aware of them. It's just free. Not bounded by ideas about it. And yet there are plenty of times we can't or don't or won't. And that's the challenge. That's the razor's edge between our delusion, our suffering, and our practice. And that's what we're being asked to engage, awareness. Not as a matter of success or failure, 
but as entrance, as a point. That issue goes on. Although in yanking Zwigang's nose, Wei Zhang was able to hide in his nostrils. And we should understand that the truth of this koan is not to be found in the nose or the finger. What is the truth of this koan? Indeed, what does it mean that Qigong, let me use the other, his other name, that Zui Zhang was able to hide in Zigang's nostrils? Dogen, commenting on this koan, speaks in terms of direct encounter with our self, a fundamental self. He says, let me respond to Zui, to Zui Zhang. You grabbed Zigang's nose. If this was to grab emptiness, you should have grasped your own nose. You should have grasped your own finger with a finger. Is this different than the, than the grasping of Zigang's nose? Is it the same? What is Dogen pointing at here? What's his point? Dogen says, you have some understanding of grasping space. Even if you have a good finger to grasp space, you should penetrate the inside and outside of emptiness. You should kill emptiness and give life to emptiness. You should know the weight of emptiness. You should trust that the Buddha's ancestors endeavor of the way and aspiration in practice and enlightenment through challenging dialogues is none other than grasping emptiness. Rijun, Rijun, my late master, old, old Buddha Tian Tang, same person, said the entire body of a windmill is a mouth hanging in emptiness. Thus we know the entire body of space is hanging in emptiness. The whole phenomenal universe is hanging in emptiness. I really appreciate you should kill emptiness and give life to emptiness. That's what comes out of practice. That's, that's the heart of the Bodhisattva path. Killing is asking us to let go of the idea of emptiness. Giving life is to live, live fully out of a deep sense that living fully is open and available. So even if it's not visible in this moment, we practice as, as if it is. which means to be sensitive and aware of our feelings and emotions and thoughts and to use them well so that they help us and others. Zazen is a direct encounter of emptiness. How, why, where? Zazen, Zazen. It isn't ours, it isn't anything. Yet the entirety of all 
of this vast universe is here. As our Zazen, we can look at our sitting from a perspective that I am sitting. We can sit a long time before we begin to realize that I am sitting has nothing to do with I. Zazen. What does it have to do with? If you say a word here or have a thought here, you're a dead person sitting. And if you remain silent, Buddhas and ancestors are laughing over your grave. How will you respond? Zazen. And it doesn't matter what form of Zazen that you're doing. You're cultivating a deepening direct insight into your being, into emptiness. Using this very, this very form, this body, this, my knee hurts, this sound, this confusion, this clarity. You're cultivating direct insight into emptiness. Emptiness is form itself. Emptiness is your nostril and your nose around it. Dogen says, space is one ball that bounces here and there. Our mind is one ball that bounces here and there, continually, ever-changing. About Zuisang saying, this is how you grasp it, Dogen says, it's not that emptiness and other emptiness reached out together with one hand. No effort was needed for grasping emptiness. There is no gap in the entire world to let emptiness in. But this story has been a peal of thunder in space. Emptiness is form. Form is emptiness. Where could there be a gap? Dado Roshi summarize this koan in a capping verse. Within this single body, myriad forms arise. In one, there are many kinds. In many, there is no duality. We should appreciate what we're doing in this practice. We should appreciate that we're deepening our insight into nothingness, into impermanence, into the emptiness of thought and feeling and emotion. So that allows us to appreciate in this, this body, in your body, in your sitting zazen, in one there are many kinds. And from your single body, myriad forms arise as we practice the realization of emptiness.
in these myriad forms, there is no, no duality. When you look up to wherever you look, you see yourself. When you look down, it's just this. This is a good day. And there's a good week coming up. I hope we all practice and live with integrity and wholeness that we all deserve. Thanks for listening. Did you know that Zen Mountain Monastery is live streaming all Dharma talks and daily Zazen during the coronavirus quarantine? Visit our website to learn about all the online programs being offered at this time. Just go to zmm.org and click on the link at the very top of the page, or scroll down and click on Retreats.